And so tonight, I'm here just to introduce the subject of church discipline. We are a growing church, and so uh, there may be many of you here that have, or at least a handful, that have really never seen church discipline practiced biblically, or you've not been to a church that practiced it, or maybe you saw it done poorly, and so we thought it'd be important uh, just to explain church discipline biblically, uh, what it is, why we do it, and uh, what the ultimate and final goals for church discipline are. And so we want to just take a few minutes before uh, we bring two uh, cases before you um, this night. Just some preliminary thoughts before we get to Matthew 18. And if you have your Bibles, I would really encourage you to go to turn to Matthew 18, uh, starting in verse 15. But let me just give you some preliminary thoughts that I want you to think about as we go through the text. Because these are paramount. And let me just say one, one other word, that I want you to fight this tonight. I want you to fight your flesh. Because when you hear church discipline you automatically believe that this is it for somebody. They're being excommunicated. There's no hope. There's too many people who think that way. And it is such a misunderstanding of what our Lord Jesus Christ taught. And I want to start right now asking you to take captive your thoughts. Do not let it run there. There is a form of excommunication on a step four where we do put someone out of fellowship. And as we'll see, we treat them as those who are Gentiles, pagans, foreigners to the body of Christ. But then the rest of all the steps are built for restoration. And this is why we're here tonight for one particular case. But let me give you just some thoughts to remind you as you begin to look at Matthew 18. First and foremost, Jesus is the one who taught church discipline. So when you have a problem with church discipline, you have a problem with Jesus. I think you're going to lose. <laughs> if I'm right, he's impeccable. <laughs> so the problem begins there. And then the rest of the scriptures support this. Every, almost every epistle in the New Testament makes note of some way of church discipline. It was practiced in the early church. Another thought is we forget that the world disciplines too. Certainly not biblically disciplines. But if you're a fan of any professional sports, you've seen people disciplined and fined, haven't you? Schools used to discipline. <laughs> I don't know what they do now <laughs> or how they do that. But discipline is part of life, isn't it? Three, churches that practice discipline, they do this because... Because we know that God has given us a way to help people who are trapped in sin. That's what church, why churches do it. We, there's none of us elders who particularly enjoy this. this is, there's hundreds of hours in some of this stuff. Tears and broken hearts and unbelievable amount of work. But when we study church discipline... We know that it is a loving thing to rescue people. And that's always our goal. Fourth, church discipline is motivated by love. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 says, God disciplines, the Father disciplines the ones he loves. 
We are to be imitators of our Father, of our Lord and Savior. We're to be imitators of him. So if he disciplines in love, we should discipline in love. That's why we do it. There's no hatred for anyone that you're going to hear tonight. There's, there's love for these people. And I want you to hear that. I want to make sure that's, that's in your heart and you understand those things. Five, church discipline has always been part of the church until the modern movement. And the modern movement came around the 20s, and there they began to question the validity of Scripture, and the churches in America particularly started dropping church discipline. Church discipline has been done since the birth of the church. But because a group of people began to question the validity of the Scriptures, it began to fade out. And now is rare as a... Whatever you want to come up with rare is. <laughs> church discipline lacks, and listen to this, and undermines preaching. It undermines the preaching of God's word. It undermines discipleship. Church discipline has its roots in the discipleship of people. That's what counseling and discipline and and discipleship, all those things are tied to those same paths that God has for us. Six, and I want to be clear of this, only step four is for those who truly are unrepented and reject the church in its teaching of the scriptures. It's only step four is for those who truly are unrepentant. And that means the rest of the steps are designed for those there's hope for, there's, there's, there's great care and desire to see them come to the understanding of sin. And so before I enter into this passage, I want to say this one more time, and I want you to write this on your brain. The goal of church discipline is restoration. And I know you're here, and, I, and I'm really happy with this crowd. I, I think most of you attend Wednesday nights when I look around. I'm, I'm really happy of that, and that means our core of our church is here. But you cannot go out of this room, and we beg you to not go out of this room and not understand that church discipline is about restoring a fallen brother or sister. That's the goal. That's the goal of your elders. It's the goal of this church. It's written in our bylaws. It's, it's at the heart of what we do when we disciple and try to help somebody, whether that's counseling or whatever it may be. It is the goal to restore that fallen brother or sister to walk rightly with God. And we're pleading with you to hear that from your elders. One last thought. You can't have a healthy in biblical church without church discipline. You reject the glory of God if you don't do church discipline. Sunday, I will show you in 1 Corinthians 10, I was working on this this, this morning. We will see that God is glorified in the discipline and even judgment of people. 
I will take you to texts in the Old Testament and New Testament to show you that God is glorified when discipline is handled the way he wants it handled. So if, if a church refuses to do church discipline, they refuse to glorify God in that particular area which he's asked us to do, which he himself does. And I promise you, I'm going to show you some texts that will just overwhelm you with how God brings his glory to himself because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Now, look at Matthew 18 with me. It's so important to preface these things before we share the depth of our concern and what's going on with a few folks. Verse 15 says, if your brother sins. So right here we know we have someone who is claiming to be in the faith, claiming to be a part of us, claiming to be one of our own here. If your brother sins, go, to, go and show him his faults in private. Go. It's a G word. It's not for gossip. Church just struggles with that sin, doesn't it? We have been praying all week that we would not, as a church, fall into gossip when this thing is done. When those doors open and you walk out, we are begging God that gossip does not plague our church. The Bible says, go and show him his fault in private. That, that word in private is such an important part. It means you care about them. You're not trying to put their, their sin on display. You love them enough to pull them aside and spend intimate time with them. Intimate time. In both of these cases that will be brought before you tonight, I can assure you there was intimate, individual time given to these individuals. It's private. I love how Jesus set church discipline up for us in that there's such a great opportunity to deal with sin right away. It doesn't have to get to this if we'll just repent of it. He's so kind to us. Our, our sin, we know, is the wages of death, isn't it? It costs Jesus his death. But even as Christians, we sin. And so God has devised this plan from eternity past to say, hey, I have a way to protect you and help you and protect the church and help you deal with sin in a private way. Just repent. And it's done. Notice it says, if he listens to you, you've won your brother. You've heard me say this before. There's so much church discipline goes on in this family all the time. A husband and wife who approach one another on something where we've hurt each other and we come up and we say, sweetie, I, I want to say this with the most care and love for you, but you hurt me with what you said. And hopefully that other spouse says, sweetheart, you're right. I did that out of anger. I was frustrated with some other things. I'm not, I'm not going to blame shift. Will you forgive me? See, church discipline happens all the time. And we've won a brother, we've run a sister in the Lord, we've, we've healed a marriage that had some broken fellowship for a moment or a day, and hopefully not much longer than that. If you go longer than that, you, you're really going to start to struggle because you're probably actually never going to deal with the subject. You're just going to move on in life, and now you've got a huge lump in the carpet of your life. 
Verse 16. But if he does not, there's the key word, does not listen to you. Here's our God in his graciousness. Take one or two more with you. Still very small, still very private. Sin doesn't get outside that very small circle. Maybe there's some help that needs to be brought in because a person's holding to a certain perspective and they haven't realized that their perspective is sinful and they can't quite see it. And so you go get somebody else in a loving manner and you approach that person and it's done in private as well. It's a very, very small group. And notice, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. And that means there has to be a lot of work done. That's, this is where counseling starts to really ramp up because now a counselor has to listen and has to, has to do a lot of investigative work and, and find out who's still gripped by sin and, and confused by what they think happened and didn't happen and, and so forth and work through those things and, and sometimes battle through this. It takes a tremendous amount of work to get to the facts. That's what our elders have been doing and counselors in these situations. But then God says, I have a great resource. And that resource is my family. It's gone from one to two or three. And now verse 17 takes us now to the family. He's going to bring in the whole family. That's us, the church family. We, we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. We have an intimate relationship with one another through Jesus Christ. We're bonded together in him. And so we hurt when others hurt, when others fall into sin. We struggle with that in a sense, trying to bring that believer out. It is a very community t- thinking that Christ is setting up here. And notice he says, if he refuses to listen to them, those two or three that came who did all the work with the facts and, the, and, and sitting down and patiently and lovingly and, and directing and uh, truth at them and confronting sin and, and praying and weeping and all of that that takes place. If, if they refuse to listen to them, that them is a very important word because you're going to hear from them tonight. The particular elders that have been embedded in some of this counseling along with a lot of others. But you're going to hear from them because that's the them. That's those guys who who weighed into this deeply for hours upon hours upon hours. But look what he says. Here's what our Lord Jesus says. Tell it to the family. Tell it to the church. The ecclesia. The assembly of his children. Now this isn't tell it to the church, so wow, you got some information, now you can go gossip about it. Or you can really feel bad or something like that. That's not the design. Remember, it hasn't changed. The first person comes with the goal of restoration. The, the ones who are embedded in this, them, the thems or that are embedded in this, they're coming to bring restoration. And it does not change in this verse for you. And this is where church discipline falls apart sometimes. Because the church doesn't see themselves as part of the restoration. You're part of it. And tonight, I don't want to go into this because the guys have written stuff out. They're going to share how to, how to what to do, but you, you'll know some of it in prayer and, 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 and 
uh, many other, I don't want to go down that list because I want to steal their, their, their work on this, but they're going to share with you what you do. And, and this, this church family is so important here. I, I remember some of the first church disciplines we started when I first got here, there was a small group that met on Wednesdays, and then every time we had a church discipline, this huge group came. I, I'm thankful. As I look around the room, this is, much, this is our core. You're here a lot. This is not for those who come and kick tires at the church and, well, I'm not sure if I want to be a part of you or not. That's not to do with any of this. This is for people committed to the work of Jesus Christ in the local assembly of Riverbend Community Church. You're trusted with some extremely intimate information so you can be part, listen to this, of the restoration process. Anything else will be sinful. And you say, Scott, you're shooting something across the bow. You write, I am. Because I've been doing this for a long time and I've watched it destroy churches when men tried to handle things right and the church did not respond properly. Or vice versa, elders didn't handle it right. We're not doing that here. We're going to together handle this right as God would tell us to. Well, there's one more step in verse 17. It's the latter half of 17. And if he refuses, that word refuses, he's used it several times, you've noticed this now, it is a rejection, is the idea of the word. If they reject all that you do, then we get to step four. And and notice this little phrase, I want to draw your attention, I love the detail of God's word. That's why I love expository preaching, the word speaks, doesn't it? Refuses to listen, now look at that little phrase, even to the church. Isn't that amazing? Look how he's brought all of us into this situation. And so that means you have to have something to say. If a fallen brother or sister is, is going through church discipline, the Bible says they have to listen to you now. So that means you have to have something to say. That's why these meetings take place, so you can hear all that what's gone on, so you can pray properly, so you can speak properly. And when confronted with maybe something comes up, you know how God would want you to handle that. But I'll tell you what, we just had a great lesson on prayer. It all starts right there. We start praying. Finally, if that fails... The Bible says, let him be to you as a Gentile. You translate the word pagan very easily. Outsider, someone not inside the assembly, the group. And then he uses the word tax collector because it shows the obviousness of a sinner. That's what that's about. So someone who goes all the way through church discipline, it is to show obviously that they have rejected God, they've rejected the scriptures, they've rejected the one, the two, and the three, and they've rejected the entire church, and now they are to be looked at as not a part of the assembly. In fact, they're to look at as those who need salvation. Now, tonight, you're going to hear two different situations in two different places in church discipline. 
And I believe in each one of these, we've handled them according to God's word. Some are a little more cut and dried than the others, but you'll hear that means there's more work done in the ones that are a little more difficult. But let me caution you. Are you going to listen to with biblical ears tonight? Very important. Put on your biblical ears. Think biblically. So important. Are you already offended? Sometimes we find people that don't even know the situation. They're already offended. They're already mad at you. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Ask God to make sure you're not offended already. This is a hard one. Have you chosen a side? Uh Uh-oh. There's no side here. (laughs) There's one. That's God's side. Restoration. Period. People don't get restored when division breaks out. God hates division. We're here unified to restore a fallen brother. For are you going to be a part of the solution or a part of the problem? Good question, huh? Will you... I think this is a hard one, and let me put this one at you, and this is something we all have to wrestle with a little bit. When we hear some of the details... Will our mind try to justify our own sin? Sometimes people get upset when they hear about something and they too have that struggle. And so in order to justify their struggle, they get upset with the church discipline. We're asking all of us, ourselves included, you as well, if something hits you as you hear this go through and God is showing you something in your own life that is opposed to him, we pray that you and I and us will deal with that. And that we'll be right with God before there's ever one step that needs to take place. So pray for the hearts of our congregation right now. Pray. Please do not record this. We've had that happen before. It is illegal. And there are great consequences to that. This is our family business. No one else's. Okay? I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite Pastor Brian up. Father in heaven, we ask that you guard our hearts right now. Some situations are a little easier to understand than others. And yet, Lord, the more difficult ones need us to trust and put our faith in you and the faith in the process, faith in the word, faith in those who have diligently labored with the goal of restoration. And so, Lord, I pray that you would guard the hearts of Riverbend Community Church right now, Lord. We pray this in your precious Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in his name, amen.